0: Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 330 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, the aka The Pod God, joined today by the Mark Coleman of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about ooh, a pretty eventful week in the world of mixed martial arts, to be honest. And there's uh, there's some big stuff coming up as well uh, later on in the week before we get into that we have two fantastic sponsors to tell you about today and as always this podcast is brought to you by manscaped even Autumn's in the air, the pumpkins are on the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. Make sure you're keeping things fresh this uh, autumn uh, with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new performance package. Boys, get ready for a, a chuffing season like the no other, ready to take that leap into autumn with the performance package. Join the two million men worldwide using the code SEVEREMMAMANSCAped.com for 20 off and free Shipping. It's time to bundle up the Manscaped uh, Performance Package 4.0, the brand new performance package. You'll find a, a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, nose and uh, ear hair trimmer, the ball preserver, and the toner as well. The lawnmower 4.0, we all know about it, fourth generation, features a cutting edge ceramic uh, blade to reduce grooming accidents with the skin safe technology 4000K uh, uh, K LED spotlight. To go on and off when needed. Also, the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds in the old nose and ears. Um, Nine thousand RPA motor powered, three hundred and sixty degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe technology. Nailed the word proprietary there, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and thugs in those delicate holes. Seal the manscapes, uh, liquid formations as well. The crop preserver, the odorant is absolutely fantastic and the crop reviver as well to patch those whacking leaves um, Manscaped threw in free gifts as well in the performance package 4.0 the boxers and shed travel bag get comfy uh, on the home seasons. so get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemanscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping with the code severemanscaped.com choose Manscaped this autumn your balls will thank you uh, this episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends over at BetUS. Myself and Graham had a great uh, betting weekend there on the uh, UFC 266. I had a 3-1 to one bet come out. We both went for Robbie Lawler. You had Volkanovski as well by decision, Graham, didn't you, I think? so. so
1: yeah, pretty... I, uh, I, I can't remember. I, I, or Curtis Blades' uh, TKO I had as well, oh, yeah. but uh, that, that, that that didn't happen. I thought, you know, we'll get into the fight, but I thought it was there for him if, if he wanted it. But...
0: We'll get into it in a second. But anyway... Um, uh, the sports betting season is in full force as we know with, with MMA but also the NFL is back and uh, the Ryder Cup is on this weekend as well you ma- may already know this but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades thriving and paying their loyal customers that's BetUS.com they have loads of bonuses join now or call 869 BetUS that's 800 MyBetUS you receive 125% sign up bonus by using the promo code SEVERE MMA they have re and referral bonus is also BetUS is known as America's favorite uh, sportsbook for a lot of reason. Uh, NBA, NHL, NFL, player props and all of that. Loads of UFC bets with matches and props. Um, The PGA Golf, and all the stuff like that, casino horses—they have every bet type manageable and a sharp bet mobile platform is easy with full betting options. So follow the lead. If you're in the U.S. or in Canada, online and social betting partner with uh, for for us with integrity and loyalty. Bet U.S. You bet, you win, you get paid. Go to severemay.com forward slash bet U.S. Use the promo code severemay. You will get hundred and twenty-five percent bonus when you sign up. You bet, you win. You get paid. Right, Graham, let's get straight into UFC 2660. Um, and I, I want to start right at the top at the main event. Alexander Volkanovsky, I tweeted it last night. This guy, he doesn't get the... Uh, the acclaim he deserves. We we you know we spoke about it on the podcast last week as well about how and I think you called him like the the most underrated champion in the UFC at the moment. And I I go nearly further. I'd say in a, in a long time he's the most underrated UFC champion. Like this guy has taken on Jose Aldo he's taken on Max Holloway he's taken on Brian Ortega who everyone raved about the lo- the last time and he's made a, he's he's just he's not made easy work of, of any of it but he's made a winning work of all of it you know what what a What a great fighter. Sometimes, and you know, we've been starting this uh, podcast recently, we're not just getting straight into the fights, but maybe getting into like something that we realise from the fights. And I think we realise it for a while, how good Volkanovski is, and some people have, have done it before us, make no mistake about that now, but he... To me, like I was talking to uh, to Harry over on Patreon recently about fighters kind of reaching this apex uh, of MMA fighting at the moment, where the arts are mixed and where it's all kind of you know, melded together really well. And I feel like Volkanovski is just so comfortable in there. You know, we all, we often talk about it with young fighters coming up as we we look at them on the Irish scene here and their comfort levels in the cage. And it's one of the toughest things you can do from the bottom level to the very, very top level. But Volkanovski, to me, and, and we'll get to the whole fight, and there was obviously a, a, a back and forth in periods throughout it, but he just looks so comfortable. He looks so slick, and he looks so effective as well in all his work. And I think it's time, like, just maybe he's not the the sexiest name in the world, and maybe he's not, you know, Max Holloway, and people don't like him as much as him. And you know, it's because, and maybe it's because he's not American either, and, and things like that. And he, he hasn't maybe been a, a standout character on the way up like someone like a McGregor was, or you know, even an Adesanya or uh, whoever else you want you want to see a Rousey coming up but he's a damn good fucking fighter and he's as good a fighter as anyone in the world right now for me i was so impressed what, what did you think of Volkanovsky? not even last night but in general the the level of respect we need to show this man it needs to be up doesn't it
1: yeah another brilliant performance another brilliant fight another brilliant victory another brilliant name you know look at his last five chad mendez jose aldo max holloway twice and brian ortega you know that's that's a serious run he's been on there and And before that, in total, he's on a a 20-fight win streak. You know, this guy is legit. This guy is uh, you know, as I said, he's the most underrated champion. He's one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC before last night. Maybe things will have changed. Obviously, you know, uh, uh, Nick Diaz coming back, we'll talk about that, but maybe, you know, that would have brought some eyeballs that wouldn't have been there uh, otherwise. And, you know, if if there were, you know, if people were watching that, I'm sure they'll be excited to see another Volkanovski fight and you know, uh, Ortega the same. Like you know, he obviously takes two to to tango, as they say. But uh, you know, Volkanovski. Ugh, I don't know how you like you, you know, them. Five names are just listed. Like you know, okay, there's a there's a debatable, controversial, in some people's opinion, decision against Max Holloway in there. But really good fights against you know Max Holloway is is you know a brilliant fighter that everybody respects. That everybody everybody believes is is you know one of the best featherweights of all time. I uh, wouldn't see too many people debating that, and you know this guy has two wins over him. He has a win over Aldo. You know what more do you want him to do? He's going in there. He's uh he's in exciting fights. He's he, he like he's not reckless, but he's not he's not um you know uh, just pointing people yeah yeah he's not pointing out pointing people like he can go to that if he needs to but he's willing to go in there and scrap and fight and you know he followed Ortega down to the ground and you know uh, (laughs) nearly paid for it but he's willing to you know believe in his abilities and his well-roundedness and his ability to 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 beat everybody everywhere with his well-roundedness game and he keeps such a pace that it's extremely hard like you know Uh, that pace would break a lot of guys and nearly did break ortega and you know uh he's just a he's just an absolute handful for anybody and he's just uh i love watching him and i i think maybe you know i haven't talked to anybody in australia maybe we could talk to one of your one of your submission radio friends but uh, i'm sure he must be uh must be uh, a big star in australia uh, at least but now now you know after this with nick diaz on the card. with an absolutely amazing fight in the main event. You know, maybe maybe this is the time that he finally does get that respect he deserves and yeah. I thought his post fight interview was good as well, you know. Uh he, he kind of maybe came out of his shell a little bit more than we've seen him before.
0: Yeah, but I, I even though I do think he has a good character like every time I hear him speak it's off he's funny and you know he he speaks uh he speaks well but you know we saw look, look at a guy like Bisping, like and I feel like the Australian Irish UK I think you pretty a bit, is, of bit of, a bit of, a bit of extra. similar
1: Sorry, I thought he put a bit of extra effort into promoting the fight. You know, even he did, kind of yeah. say, oh, well, I'm just promoting the fight. But all that stuff was like, oh, I didn't know about your your failed drug test mm-hmm. and all that stuff. All that, stuff that, that's, that adds to the fight. Like, you need to make things happen, make people losing <laughs> A little bit of a storyline, you know.
0: That's straight from the Graham uh, MacDonald uh, playbook there, isn't it? Like, well, like, <laughs> you
1: know, these things, like, I, I think, you know, these things should never be overlooked. Like, if you have mm-hmm. pop for fucking something like steroids or something along those lines, I think, you know, that's a huge stain that sh- that should follow you.
0: Yeah, it is. It's true, and like for, especially for guys like that, he's come out before and and said it like uh you know I, I think he's one of these guys that comes out and says a lifetime ban and stuff. So absolutely, but uh, to to me one you made a great point there about you know uh, about the way he fought last night in kind of an exciting manner and wasn't afraid to try shots. It's a funny thing because maybe it's uh, maybe it's a discussion for a longer podcast, <clears throat> but also. I, I, you notice, and we talked about it for years. Fighters, when they get to the championship level, and they kind of maybe feel five rounds, you have to kind of adjust your style and fight differently. And also, when you fight guys like a Max Holloway, right, who you know is going to be a tough five round fight, very unlikely you finish him. Say someone like a like Woodley when he fought Wonderboy, very tough. You know it's going to be fight, you might Look, you might finish Wonderboy, okay, but you, it's going to be a tough. Five round fight, more likely you fight him again. It's going to be the same, the same situation, and I feel like we we spoke about Woodley after that, and it was like he couldn't stop fighting Wonderboy, you know, for the rest of his career. But it's not just Woodley. I think other fighters, they they fight. uh, Sometimes you fight safer when you become the champion, and it's it's a product I think of the five rounds and the fact that you know you're going to be fighting the best in the world all the time. And its I'm not criticising anyone for that. It's just the nature of it. But Volkanovski didn't last night. As you said, he went to the ground with him. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing at times? But still, it was exciting. And he trusted his ability. As I said, talking about well-rounded fighters, this guy trusts his ability in all areas. And I haven't gone back and watched some of his fights beforehand. We were talking about it on the Betting Shore, maybe on the podcast this week. And uh, I, I was kind of thinking whether he would... Do it like that, you know, because if you look at the Mendez fight, he's all out attack, you know, going for him. Whereas the Max Holloway, it's, you know, you because you're fighting Max Holloway, it has to be a little bit more refined where, where you know, they're still throwing shots and still doing good things. You know, when you're fighting a long guy like brian ortega who against the korean zombie looked like you know everyone said like a technical wizard Now, haven't gone back and watched it i uh, i said it a couple times i didn't think it was as good maybe as it looked live but however you're, you're fighting this big long uh technical striker now that he's turned into and you could have forgiven him for fighting a slower more uh uh you know orchestrated pace maybe but he didn't you know he came out straight away he was throwing big shots right over the top and uh, we'll just a quick run through the fight and then maybe get to the the, the uh, a little bits of intricacies so great start from Volkanovsky the cut under his eye and i think that changed it a little bit in the middle of the first round for ortega ortega also got a cut over his eye good in for Ron round but i thought Volkanovsky won that 2-0 loads of right hands from Volkanovsky in the second he drew blood leg kicks uh, from ortega were actually very good i in the second but mostly from Volkanovski that right hand couldn't miss the third round we'll, we'll get to the third round <laughs> we get to the third round uh the fourth round did uh, almost the guillotine after a slow kind of round but Volkanovski landed on top and he almost finished him again and in the fifth round I thought Ortega came out and looked very good I thought he won the fifth round he just reviews the back down after like the doctor asked him uh after the fourth round are you all right and His answer was... No, I think so no, no no his answer, no his answer was I'll be alright <laughs> so that's that's basically no I'm not, not alright no, sorry they
1: asked him can, can you see and he said I think so
0: yeah yeah that was, that was one as well it's just the unbelievable toughness of Brian Ortega it's absolutely crazy how tough this guy look, is but he
1: got lucky there he got lucky there usually if like it's not an eye poke and you say I think so and you don't say yes I can see that that we've seen doctors wave it off so, yeah
0: there were a few you know, occasions where it probably should have been stopped and it he
1: was kind of when he was kind of like pasted on the the floor at the end of the yeah
0: round. there was one when he stood up as well and his eye was kind of closed and her Dean was asking him how many fingers i'm I'm holding up um that's one of those points as someone watching MMA when you're kind of we, we've had discussions over the last while and we've had a couple on patreon as well about like you know the the, the rawness of MMA and how tough it is on these fighters where like you're half thinking, right, I don't want this guy to go on because I don't want him to take any more damage. But you're also like this is a fun fucking fight and I want to see this continue. It's one of those like the the, the heart and the head don't kind of follow each other in that situation, I think. Yeah.
1: And he kinda you yeah. know, in this in this situation he kinda, you know, he's so good at jujitsu that he always has a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. But some fights where it's just, you know, maybe Valentina Sushenko will come on to to her fight where it's just you know it's it's no going sense. one way and that's the way it's going so you might as well just call it a day yeah. but with Ortega he'd shown that even after taking a bit of a serious beating that he still uh, possessed very dangerous finishing ability like so i think you know, like in that situation there's more kind of scope to let it go
0: yeah i i i would tend to agree but after that fourth round we i know we have a question about it maybe we'll get to it here but on on the q and a maybe some, someone said should the corner have thrown in after the fourth round and I, like it, uh, my first thought, whenever someone asked that question, is exactly what you said: "There, does he have a chance to win?" And like, I, he still did have a chance to win. I think, but it looked it looked like he he just wasn't there after the fourth round. But he, you know, he was and he, and he kept going. But w- look, we have to talk about this this third round because I, I went back and I watched it, and so the first. I think two and a half minutes, maybe 2.45, were Volkanovski, you know, landing his shots, just winning the round like he did the second, and I think winning it maybe more clearly than he had even, and doing, doing some very good stuff, closing the eye of Ortega, hitting him with some great shots. That fucking left hook was just money all night and in the right hand coming behind it as well. You know, it was funny, we watched Usyk and, and Joshua. I thought it was very similar. And I kind of mused about that beforehand as well, at the spaces, and it, it, it paid off. But anyway, but then Ortega hit him with a big shot. I, I think it was, was in it the right hand, but anyway, he dropped him with a shot. And it was one of those ones where it's not necessarily you get hit really hard and dropped. It's one like you're kind of maybe he wasn't expecting a little bit and he was kind of put on his arse and like normally you probably pop back up but Ortega, cute enough, was fucking straight on him, went straight down into the mounted guillotine and I was just, I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, well this is over. Yeah, absolutely <laughs>
1: like, beautiful transition into yeah. the mounted guillotine. It was just like uh, uh, picture perfect and you look for all the world like, oh shit, this is, this is over but... You know, in fairness to Volkanovski, he toughed it out, and you know he immediately, you know, you know, defended, and he showed like a level of toughness and technique in that moment. And I think Ortega, and you know, most of the people watching thought. Talk- that was that was over you know, right it, reminded there. Of,
0: it reminded me of uh, do you remember Joseph Benavidez versus Tim Elliott where Tim Elliott was so got caught in the guillotine that he couldn't even tap and he had to like tap with his feet and Novolkanovsky was like moving his feet and just trying to get any bit I thought like it looked I haven't gone back and watched it again it looked like he was panicking in that situation but he wasn't like you could kind of see the calm come into him He's just like no no I'm not tapping to this I'm just I just refuse to tap and then uh, you know he got out of it, but the the weird, the most fucked up thing then was he got on top. He landed some good shots, and uh and I was, he
1: stayed in the
0: <laughs> in danger. He, he stayed in danger, and Felder called it. Felder was like, "Watch the triangle," and straight away got him in the triangle. And if you go back and look at the triangle, now I'm no I'm not jujitsu expert or anything like that, but it. Brian Ortega, right in the end of the def- third round, he's taken a an unmerciful amount of damage, and he catches him in the move. Right, He's his, his, his T City Triangle City. This is Brian Ortega. It you'd be you'd forgive him for just like right, I'm gonna pull down on this head, and I'm gonna I have this triangle, and this this is it, this is it. I have to, but he does this brilliant thing where do you know, like if you remember Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva, lots of fights where you know they get the uh, the triangle. You know, the always of the defense is get as close as you can to them, you know, get up on your feet and get pushed your head right into the chest of your opponent, you know, so they can't get the, the squeeze in the triangle that they needed. If you look at what Ortega does here, he hooks the right leg. Of Volkanovski, and he pulls him down so that Volkanovski can't base and stand up and get closer to him. And he was—I didn't notice it. I haven't watched it back. It was brilliant to do that in that situation when like—not
1: just. Well, uh, maybe I need to go back and rewatch it. I thought he just hooked the leg to make a circle, like you know.
0: No, like oh no, a lot no. No. He, he but hooked, no,
1: I must go back and. look. Yeah, it. he
0: hooked him so he couldn't stand up, and so he couldn't get out of it. But then he did get out of it as well because I think. Like it was so slippery and bloody and everything, I think. And then Volkanovsky kind of moved and, and kind of twisted his body to the left. You know, we, we talk about it as well with maybe guys with longer, bigger necks might be easier to, to triangle or guillotine. Whereas Volkanovsky's maybe size and his stature maybe saved him a little bit in that. But I thought it was brilliant work by uh, by Ortega. But for Volkanovsky to survive that, like he was caught and of him all ends up for me. Did, did Like. I thought both of them were going to finish the fight. Did you think both of them were going to finish the fight or was I just getting away? The
1: triangle, I wasn't so sure um, because he'd already gotten out of the uh, <laughs> the guillotine and, yeah, you know, was, yeah. uh, the arms are tired. I know it's a, it's a leg joke, but you do need a bit of strength in your arms. And uh, we'd already seen him kind of, you know, come back from the dead <laughs> nearly in in in, uh, in terms of that guillotine. Did Like when he mounted them initially for the first couple of seconds, they looked done. And, um, obviously the triangle is, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit more of one that maybe he would have worked on, um, yeah. in training. Mm-hmm. So th- I, I think it was close, but I think the, the guillotine was definitely the, the the moment that Ortega, you know, missed Yeah. or yeah. that, that Volkanovski avoided.
0: Yeah. That that one was, <laughs> it was insane. I couldn't believe he got out of it, but, uh, like after that, the fourth round, as I mentioned, just a, a slower round, but. You know, I, there was another guillotine attempt there. You know, I, I I don't think that one was as close as the other two, but uh, you know, Volk, Volkanovski got on top and he landed. So, I thought so that was a ten eight. So how do you
1: score the the third round as uh,
0: a judging expert? <laughs> I, I, I I scored a 10-9 to Volkanovski, but uh, I don't know. Thinking about it again, maybe maybe it's maybe it is the other way around. It's one of them. It could go either way. I think. Um, Like, I think Volkanovski had landed a lot of work in the the start of that round, and maybe we forget that, because, like, I went back and I watched it, and I just watched that at the start, but then I watched the whole round again, he did land a good bit, um... But yeah, look, it's coming close to the finishing so maybe you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, we're thinking about it back now again. Like it was just such utter insanity in the middle of that. Uh, the judges weren't thinking that way, but I was, and I'm sure everyone watching that. that round how close
1: was, was to a finish at the end of the round as well? Like, yeah, oh, you know. yeah, that's
0: what I mean as well. Yeah, that, that's that's the part. He he was very close to the finish at the end of that round. So and like he landed a lot of shots between the guillotine and the triangle too. So yeah, it was. I, I do think was a Volkanovski round when you put all of that together but you know Brian Ortega came close to finishing that fight twice in that round so you know I I could go either way but but yeah I think it was Volkanovski and look there was no uh, there there was no doubts about the result in the end I think you could have given Ortega a couple of rounds in there but Volkanovski uh, he definitely won the fight and what a fantastic fight and look I also, I don't want to even talk about what's next. I just want to leave it at that because that fight was so great. You know, we we have Holloway versus Rodriguez confirmed now coming up at the end of the month. and Maybe that'll be it. But we, we will leave it at that because I just want to leave that fight the way it is because it was such a fantastic fight and I enjoyed it so much. And Volkanovski doesn't deserve to have anyone else mention when his name apart from Brian Ortega today. I think it's he is he is the best featherweight in the UFC anyway. I want I want disrespect to AJ McKee because I think he's fantastic as well and Pitbull is fantastic, but you know what a what a federate division in the world we have at the moment just some just some fantastic fighters and it's a joy to watch uh, these guys at work and last night it was it was beautiful stuff absolutely couldn't have enjoyed it uh, more than i did um, the the main event then was maybe the, the exact opposite to, to what we to what we saw uh, it was valentina shevchenko uh, just look i, I think with Falconovsky, he won the fight and dominated the fight for long periods, but all the time Ortega showed he had a way to win was, and it was making a tough. jeopardy the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. From second one almost, there was none in the Valentina Chichenko, Lauren Murphy fight. And do you know what as well? I think Valentina, sometimes if you fight someone like Lauren Murphy, with all due respect to Lauren Murphy, I think she's a very good fighter. I have a lot of respect for Lauren Murphy, but... Valentina Shashenko is on a complete other level to, to Lauren Murphy. Sometimes when you are Valentina Shashenko and you're coming into that fight, you could be forgiven for, you know, taking a little bit easy or for, you know, not... Um, not f- fighting uh, the right fight against someone like a shift, uh, like a Murphy, but I thought Valentina showed her a lot of respect in the first round she was picking her shot, she wasn't giving her a chance to clinch uh, she wasn't giving her a chance to use her strength at all, and she, you know, she reddened her eyes, she got the takedown late, look I thought she dominated the whole round I would have given that a 10-8 because she had all 3Ds for me, but uh, it was a very, very respectful sort of performance from Valentina Din. and I thought it was the same for the next round and a half Maybe Murphy did get a bit of a clinch at one stage, which is the only thing she saw showed in the whole fight. Uh, but it didn't do anything. Um, Valentina's right hook was just there all day. The body lock takedown. Uh, she didn't land much on the ground though. I thought she was, you know, looking for the, maybe the submission, but she did win that round again. Round three a slower pace. Uh, Murphy was just throwing nothing and getting picked apart. And, you know, I, I think Cormier was giving out about her corner, but like, what the fuck is her corner supposed to do? You know, there's I don't think there's anything you can do when you're fighting uh, Shevchenko and in the when you're competing
1: fast you know and your best game plan is just failing miserably uh, it's very difficult she,
0: she was probably doing as well as she could let's be honest here. like I don't if you were to ask me what could Murphy have done she did get a couple of clinches they didn't work you know she got thrown down by, by Shevchenko every time they got close she got body lock takedowns. she got uh, you know trip takedowns there was just nothing she could do really and in the fourth round Shevchenko landed that shot she hurt her uh, and just ended up finishing her I think it was Keith Peterson was the referee and I think he probably stopped it maybe one or two punches earlier than he would normally stop a championship fight but I don't think anyone was giving out about that to be honest because uh, Lauren Murphy had taken enough damage she was no way in the world she was winning the fight from that point and another dominance great display from Valentina Shevchenko she's just she's such a great fighter it's weird to look at Valentina Shevchenko and think she's not the greatest female fighter of all time she's that good you know we have Amanda Nunes there as well but you could argue and I think most people probably would argue that Valentina Shevchenko is technically better now it, it, MMA is not all about technique so I'm not saying she's the better fighter I think uh, I definitely think Amanda Nunes is considering she's She's beaten her twice as well, and it's been two close fights. And I want to see him fight again. But what a fighter Shishenko is! She's just brilliant, isn't she?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, that's what. That's nearly four years ago at this stage. Yeah, five years ago. I, that was funny. They, know,
0: they were mentioning that on the broadcast, and I was like, "Oh, it is." And she was. She didn't have that many fights at the time, so I like that's a different fight now as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, her record is what twenty, twenty-two, and three now. So yeah, like you know, Amanda Nunes is looking for a kind of big fights and uh, uh, as a hardcore fan or as somebody inside the bubble, that would be a fight I'd absolutely love to see again. There's not many kind of trilogy fights that I'd love to see again, where where the same kind of the same victor has, has yeah. come in both, but as you said, they were close decisions. I think the, the second one was a split decision even, and she's definitely improved since then. She's kind of showed her well-roundedness more than, more than she had there and a lot can change in, you know, four or five years. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to see that fight happen uh, sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, and the thing about it is there's there's really no next contender at 125. There probably is someone, but I, I can't really think of anyone straight off the bat anyway. Um, and look, Pinya is fighting Amanda Nunes. Oh, maybe, and and it's, I think, is it at the end of the year, maybe? But, uh, like, hopefully she's like, let's do it, you know. <laughs> hopefully it's one of those ones. Let's get it on again because... It's, I think they kind of need each other a little bit, you know, with Cyborg gone um, and, you know, and Kayla Harrison's not here yet. These two women are the best, you know, they are the best in the world and they need each other. They need to fight each other. And The, the, the fucked up thing as well for Shevchenko is you know we've seen lots of super fights in the UFC over the last few years and the 115 pound division is such a back and forth of champion and champion, different champion and different champion that she can't almost get the super fight against someone you know she had the Ian Jacek fight obviously that was she wasn't the champion at the time but she had you know the champion coming up but they're just such a round you know roundabout there it is it is all the 125 pounders she's fighting and uh, you know maybe Andrade wins a couple of fights and she gets back up there but she got the the last time as well. So it's it's tough to know really what to do with <laughs> go apart from uh well, apart you know
1: like you have the you have the storyline of Amanda Nunes being the first double double champion mm. uh and then you have if Valentina can take the belt then she's she's a double champion and Amanda Nunes isn't anymore. And you know uh how many casual people actually know that they fought twice before even even if that is an an off putting factor like I think this fight makes you know makes the most sense by, by a long shot.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder would would either of them think about like, like like let's say if um I wonder would either of them go for a three way champion if you know what I mean like could could uh, Manny Nunes get down to one hundred twenty five pounds I don't know like if, Ooh,
1: I don't know well, maybe over a you know couple of years but mm-hmm. I, don't uh,
0: know. I wonder if Shevchenko like if Shevchenko won the one hundred thirty five pound title. Like the logical next step is to call her out for hundred and on title and be the three-way champion, which would be, which would be crazy. Like it would be cr- like Amanda Nunes when she you know this around? this is a
1: fight this is a fight that would be very dangerous for Amanda Nunes. No, you know if, she, if, yeah. if she'd have to be fully in shape, she wouldn't be any of this kind of like you know um just way better than everybody so I can turn up kind of half in shape and just yeah. beat them. You know um, I wouldn't be surprised you know if that if Shenko won that fight, obviously like Amanda Nunes. is kind of widely regarded and I regard her as the best female fighter in the world but this is a tough fight you know is there anybody else you see can put either of these girls in against who aren't going to be like a plus 1000 100 like uh, underdog you know what K- I mean K- so
0: Harrison's the only one no one in the UFC I don't think yeah Not at but the moment, you
1: do you re- yeah and there's, uh, if you, you get Kayla Harrison in the UFC I don't want don't know if you want to rush her straight in I know we've talked about this before and it's a, maybe a point for another day but like Valentina uh, Shevchenko versus Amanda Nunes will be a, a huge fight for obviously the the hardcore fans, and I think you know if you put that on a on a a big card, a big pay per view with maybe another title fight, that could end up being you know one of the best pay per views of the year, yeah, and and could bring a lot of uh, a lot of like attention to to you know women's MMA. Obviously, women's MMA is fully accepted uh, by the kind of MMA community, but. I'm sure you know. I will other women's sports as well. You know, some people are kind of like nah, but you know,
0: it's it's weird. Uh, it's, on it. Like we, we, this is the thing we've kind of talked about before, maybe a little bit, but like women's sports is really being pushed really hard over the last one And you know, it's great to see. I've, I'm not criticizing, but it is. It it doesn't have to be an MMA, and it's a great like MMA is sometimes in a lot of ways a very fucking backward sport, you know, living in living in the nineties wearing fucking tap out t shirts and all. But it's 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 amazing, actually. It's great that women's MMA has been accepted so wholly by everyone. It's fantastic. It's actually like it would make you proud to be an MMA fan, and that's uh that's not an obvious thing we do. But it's like I. No one was giving out about Shevchenko being over or Nick Diaz here. Remember when it started uh, in the UFC, people were giving out about Ronda Rousey being over the Dan Henderson showgun fight and everything like that. That's just not a thing anymore, and it's it's great. And I thought that's also a discussion for another day. But, yeah, I would I would, uh, I would would agree with that. And as well, one point here just before we move on. Joseph Benavidez retired last week, and I always make the point that they should have made Benavidez versus Mighty Mouse tree. They should have made it, and they waited too fucking long. Don't wait too long for this. We saw with Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. You wait too long and these fights go away, you know, and okay, you're you're looking now and there's oh there's no challenges for Shinko, there's no challengers for Nunes. MMA is a weird game. <laughs> and when, did you see it yesterday? When Shevchenko went over on her ankle, she stood on Lauren Murphy's Like I was like, well, that's it. You're one fucking st- stamp on someone away from a broken ankle and a year out the cage and losing your title. It it really is. It could be that. And that's, uh, God fucking, touch wood, God willing, that does not happen to anyone. You know, at noon as Shevchenko fucking. Anyone in the UFC, I don't want that to happen to anyone But it could, you know, it happened. Look, look what, look at Jake Ellenberger back in the day. He got his fucking foot stuck in the cage, and he ended up losing. It can happen. Um And uh, they need to get these fights done. And uh, hopefully, we, we'll be able to see that again. It's time. It's it's just time now at this stage. But uh, not a great performance from Valentynushynko. Fantastic. Uh, right. Let's talk about. Uh, Nick yeah, speaking Diaz. of
1: anything could happen, you could get banned for for five years for a bit of a bit of weed.
0: <laughs> I got off of that. I got off of that. I, t- I thought Nick Diaz looked fantastic. To be honest, I I was expecting him
1: in in the first minute and, and a half. I thought he looked well, absolutely fucking all over the place. But yeah, he, he got him, he got into the rhythm of things. Then. Yeah,
0: he d- It is true. It was on those ones where he looked terrible at the start. Then he looked great after like three minutes. Then in the second round, he looked good as well. But then he got really tired towards, like, the end of the second round. And you're thinking, like, oh, shit. Can, can he keep this going? And uh, no was the answer to that one. But, like, I want to see Nick fight again after this. I, I, I genuinely think um, coming into this fight, Nick Diaz just needed to kind of show something. And he needed to win something. He didn't need to win the fight, necessarily. But he needed, like like Nate against Leon Edwards. He Nick won, Diaz won about, fucking, a minute and a half of that fight. And... You, you'd nearly forget Leon Edwards won the fight you know because Nate won that and now Nick won more than that I thought Nick was you know the the better fighter almost in most of this fight and I you know I picked Robbie Lawler I fucking bet on Robbie Lawler so I'm not you know a Nick Diaz fucking nut hugger or anything here like this but I thought and I know some people think we're saying he didn't look good but a couple of things. Nick came into this and he didn't look in shape at all, which I would think was an injury, because it has to be. Because if you look at the pictures of him from two months ago, he looked in fantastic shape. And then when he went down, he held his knee, but then he didn't really mention anything about his knee afterwards. And that made me think, it's like, well, did he have a knee injury coming into it? And he was kind of going to say it, but then he didn't say it because he kept going, like, no excuses, but I was kind of half expecting to lose like this. I don't know, but... Overall, I and that that was a bit of a, a Nick Diaz rant there by me because I went all over the place. But for, for, the, for the fight that's in it, uh, I, I love this fight. I thought it was really fun. Just two lads going out there. Robbie Lawler came straight across the cage and just went at Nick Diaz. And Nick was like unrelenting. He just refused to give up. And then we saw the Nick Diaz of all just shot, 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 shot. Non-stop punching. Eight, ten punch combos, yeah. Non-stop. And I... I I, w- I wasn't expecting it. I was ex- Honestly, I was expecting him to take a few shots and go over. Honestly, and that, that may be stupid of me, but when you're someone six years out of the cage, uh, you know, it's hard to not expect that. And look, in the end, maybe that six years out of the cage did tell, but what a fight up until then. What, what was your take on the whole fight itself? It was, I, I really yeah, it enjoyed was
1: it. Great, it was great to see Nick back and in the first minute and a half i was thinking oh god this 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 could be bad uh but then he, he kind of got his timing and he his punches didn't look super fast they, ne- they never have but i think they look a little bit slower but that's when you're carrying an extra bit of weight and you're you've been out of the cage for so long it's understandable but he, he did a lot of the things that nick diaz always does um um he showed like he can still do it i think you know i, I don't think it's a you know it's not one of these cases where the guy comes back after a few years and you're like oh god don't like bj penn or anything like that uh i think you know with an actual good camp at, at his you know not carrying extra weight uh, not a little not like he looked a bit fat like let's be honest like so uh you know obviously his cardio is gonna is is gonna uh or he's gonna pay for that with his cardio so um yeah I, another thing i was thinking during this fight is you know, since the criteria has changed, like, I, although he's landing, like, kind of four of eight punches in a combo, he's landing at, like, 60% or something, like, what's the immediate impact of that? How is that scoring compared to, like, one big shot from, from Robbie? Yeah. It's 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 a tough one.
0: Yeah, like, 10 of those shots are not worth as much as one big Robbie Lawler shot, yeah, 100%. It's, I was thinking the same thing, but I, I think I, I think Nick, was, Nick does hit hard as well, though. You could see they were having a, a bit, and now he doesn't hit Hard, hard, but he—you could see some of them shots were having an impact on Robbie Lawler. They did. Then, if now like, if he threw thirty of them, maybe one was having an impact on Robbie Lawler. But when when you're throwing that many shots and you're Nick Diaz, that's that's all you need. But yeah, I would I would tend to agree. And like that's the thing as well. We're looking if John Jones is is coming back fighting again. You know, he's a guy who throws a lot of shots, maybe not the most impactful shots. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be closer in fights like that. But. That, yeah, that is definitely a thing with Nick Diaz. And it's a good point you you, you bring up, 100%. But, like, I, I it's weird that Robbie Lawler's, like, his game plan was the game plan I think everyone thought he would come out with where it was, land the harder shots as Nick throws all the shots. And Robbie, like... Give credit to Robbie. He had to come through a fire to do that. It's not everyone is willing to take fucking 150 shots from Nick Diaz over the space of like two and a half rounds. Like that's a tough thing to do. Even you know, as you say, okay, Nick isn't hitting as hard as uh, as maybe a, a you know a Tyrone Woodley or a, or a Noosman if you're fighting in there, or you know even a Luke or someone like that. But he is hitting a lot and he's cutting you up and he's making it nasty and he's throwing little elbows inside and little knees to the body and things. And, you know, a few leg kicks as well. Both guys were throwing him in there. Um, but I think that kick to the body from Robbie was a very smart move because guys, when they're out of the cage for that long, um, as you said, they have a bit of a belly on them. And, I'm, you know, I'm no one to talk anyway, but he did. It's They don't have that conditioning to the body they had when they were right in the middle of their career and... You know, you hear all boxing coaches and all you know all MMA coaches. I suppose talking about it, that conditioning to the body, especially if you're going five rounds. But it's something. If you don't have it, it's it's something that can be. You know, used against you to take you down. I think Robbie did that, and I think from that kick on, it just took the gas out of Nick Diaz, and he took it very well because he kind of ran around the cage, and he didn't go. Usually, if someone would take a knee at that stage, you see in boxing all the time, they take a knee, they take the ten seconds, and then they try to come back from it, and sometimes it's just not possible. Remember that Ricky Hatton fight that time, where, where he hit the lad with the, the body shot. Uh, was it Castillo? Was it maybe? I don't know. Anyway, but um. Yeah, Rob, Nick, I think he played it off pretty well, but uh, in the end, Robbie broke his nose, he hit him with a beautiful one-two and put him on a knee. And do you know what, I, I'd be interested to get your thought in, in the finish, but I thought Nick thought that Jason Herzog called it off because he was so disorientated from being knocked down and... Jason a kind of went to him do you want to continue and he's like nah <laughs> you know kind of like that and and maybe I'm wrong there now and I could be but he to think that he knew he'd a broken nose and he knew he'd taken enough damage and he decided not go on in that situation might, might be true because it's Nick Diaz if it was anyone else maybe not but Nick Diaz has been in so many of these wars before maybe he is cognizant in that position but it's very hard for me to think someone is cognizant enough in that situation to make that decision but having said that this is just my theory and the, the the latter theory that I don't maybe buy into, I think it's probably right, but what did you think of the finish of this one?
1: Well, when it happened, I thought, oh, there must be some kind of injury because he kind of reached out at his, at his right leg and I was kind of looking at his leg and I could see a little kind of bump at the top of the shin when I was thinking, oh, I wonder I wonder what kind of injury it is, but then, as you said, he didn't mention that um at the end, uh, so... I don't know it's it's a difficult one to know what really happened maybe he just knew he 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 didn't have the the energy and he was he was you know it was he was going to lose and I, I during the fight even like I think I don't think Nick Diaz was his old self in terms of like confidence in terms of like you know trash talking and throwing the hands around and you know, kind of doing the things that he that he used to do and at I the agree, end of the yeah. round kind of signalling to the crowd or, you know, even if he's been beaten badly in the round, he'd always, like, flex his, you know, uh, his arms. And he just seemed a bit lethargic. He seemed like he didn't really want to be there.
0: Uh, I don't know about that. I Like, I thought he... He threw his hands confidently, but everything else maybe wasn't as confident. But, uh, like, I was thinking... When uh, he's
1: in a fight and he's a fighter and he's, like, you know, he, yeah. he's, he's going to fight, but everything else around it, like, when he went back to his corners and just his, his body language in there. Do
0: you reckon he needed to fight, like? Do you reckon, like, if he fought again, it would be the same thing?
1: Um, it's hard to know. It's hard to know with Nick what's going on, you know? I think a, a lot goes on in Nick's head, um... Uh, it's really, really hard to know what Nick Diaz is thinking. Yeah. I,
0: I, I didn't think that fully, but now that you mention it, yeah, I would agree. But I just thought he fought so well for that first two rounds, most of it, um, that I, I don't know. I think Robbie was always going to be a tough matchup coming back for him in this. Like, situation. Did he try to
1: slap him once? Did he try to? Did he try no, to mean mug him? Did he no. try to flip him off, shout at him, say, "Is that all you got?" Or you know, did he? Did he try to get the crowd going? Uh, yeah, he didn't.
0: It it did feel like, it did feel like, uh, you know, after the Brad Akamoto interview, right? He did. He was in the press conference, and he I saw him doing something else, and he was kind of acting like he was happy, and me, you know. Maybe maybe it was one of those situations where it was kind of Nick coming back to get a, b- a bit of money. But he's, I still, he still did fight well. But I don't know. Was, like, I don't know. Was this Nick kind of putting it on a bit? Or else he was just working his way back in over six years. Now, I think Nick Diaz has given enough to the sport and been a tough enough motherfucker to... You know, warrant us giving him the benefit of the doubt here. So I will think it's him being out of the cage for so long and coming back against you know a tough matchup. I still think it was a tough matchup. Robbie, Robbie's no joke. Okay, he's past his prime at this stage, but he's he's still hits hard. He can still take a shot, and you know it's uh, he's a very very good fighter. And um you know someone, uh, um someone suggested Robbie or uh, Nick Diaz versus Cowboy Cerrone, and I like that fight a lot. What about what you? think at that one, maybe next.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. uh, 170. Um, Obviously, Cowboy, you know, he's kind of he's been fighting regularly, but he's definitely, you know, on the downturn of his career. And it's a it's a fight that, you know, two guys that are known to the public, two fan favorites and uh, a fight that, like, you know, is a winnable fight for Nick Diaz. Definitely. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that fight.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And look for Robbie he goes on as well, and it's, it's a good win for uh, for Robbie. And we, look, we'll see what's next for him. But yeah, look overall, I I was just uh, you know maybe maybe the, the the fight, maybe we barely deleted this fight, but I think it was just a fun fight to be honest. And sometimes that's all you need. And you know, okay, we could talk about the finish, and you can talk about did not he quit and did he give up and everything and that. But like, I don't I don't care to be honest. Look, the, the guy was hurt. If he did give up, if he did quit, look. He he's taken enough fucking damage throughout his career that he deserves to do that. He's the right to do that if he wants to do that. But to me, there was lots of shots thrown. Neither guy to me looked absolutely shot, or neither guy looked shit in there. They looked good to me, and uh, it was a good fight, a fun fight with a you know an ending and a great win for Robbie Lawler. But Nick Diaz can take something out of it as well, and I don't think anyone would say I don't want to see Nick Diaz fight ever again after. And look, maybe there, uh, but uh, I would I would like to see Nick. Fight fight again i'd like to see robbie fight again so you know after a fight like that i think that's uh that's a good thing to to do anyway or a good thing to say after the fight uh right let's uh, run through the rest of the card here as well uh this card it, it went from like very good fights to not great fights and i think the the the, the latter uh, there would be where you would put Blades against Rosenstruck uh, Blades was landing bits and pieces two, not really much a knee from Rosenstruck in the second was all he kind of landed uh, but he got the takedown from it and landed some round three Curtis got a takedown and didn't do much it was not a great yeah, I thought Curtis was and...
1: very conservative uh, I thought yeah. like the takedown was pretty much there whenever he went for it obviously he got kneed once going for it but yeah like Rosenstruck was falling over like a bowling pin you know he, he had no take down defense and um he looked you know even after being taken down the first round and getting back up he looked he looked mackered um yeah, yeah so i thought blaze probably should have got the finish there um he kind of said that once the eye kind of uh closed he couldn't really see properly so he just played it safe which is probably you know understandable and smart you know Rosenstruck's obviously uh a dangerous guy and he's been hit with a knee on the way in for a takedown so he's being extra cautious but you know uh in terms of putting yourself in the title picture it's not really that great of a performance that yeah, like, will look catapult on, you there
0: looking at this it was the number four and number six ranked heavyweight in the world i was thinking like, oh jesus that's not a great <laughs> sign for the heavyweight division but earlier in the card we had chris Dawkins, who looked fantastic i thought he'd up the level he looked really really good and got the win over shami who's a tough out you know uh, shamil Abdurrahima is a good fighter a solid fighter and maybe People don't realise it, uh, you know, because he's uh, a few losses in the UFC, but that's a good win for Christakis, and him and Aspinall coming together. I know myself and Spencer talked about it in the state of the UFC uh, a couple of weeks back, or or maybe even the one before it, but these guys are are the coming guys, and that heavyweight division is a weird one, because at the very top, it's very good, and then it's a quick fall-off, but then it has some contenders coming, or some new blood coming as well, so that's good, and that's what you need in a division like that. So, you know, uh, okay, maybe a negative in the the main card, but in the uh, the preliminary card, a good heavyweight fight finishing out the main card though was Jessica Andrade or starting it off even against Calvillo and this was one of those fights you know sometimes you're listening to the commentary on fights and uh, the commentator says uh, this person needs to get their opponents respect they need to land a shot I feel like this is one of those fights where Calvio needed that and she didn't get it. You know, it went four minutes, 54 seconds. And for one second, I didn't think she got the respect of Jessica Andrade. And I'm... Look, yeah, she... It's
1: it's very hard to get Andrade's yeah. respect to stop her kind of bulldozing forward. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Cavalio, Cavalio uh, possesses Calvillo, the, the power yeah. to... to to kind of stunt that pressure
0: yeah and it was just it was just easy for Andrade because i just like she couldn't stunt the pressure and just kept going and going and going and going and going until eventually um calvia could go no more and she just she's so much venom on her shots it was it was i thought it was a good stoppage as well and i was very near the end of the round but um yeah, she she, oh, had no, she just kind
1: of bent over and yeah. stood against the cage and and just basically had given up.
0: I would love Andras to immediately get a quick turnaround. It Doesn't really matter who it is, you know. I'm sure there's someone out there picking him, um, and maybe do the exact same after that again to get yourself back in the picture. Because she is someone who is a name, a former champion, who I wouldn't mind seeing fight Shevchenko again. I know Shevchenko destroyed her the first time, but. She is the, you know, she, if Murphy builds her way back up, I think everyone's gonna, oh no, you know, kind of a job. But I think with Andraj, it is one you can talk up again, even though it went very badly last time. So you look, hopefully, that happens. Um, I, I will pop back to the Dashfield and Hooker fights, but on on the undercard first, uh, John Napier saw Morales ended in the rear naked choke submission. Schmelzberger got a beautiful shot, an absolute. A picture perfect, uh, KO and a, and a coffinel came after it, uh, as well. the The right hand when he as he was turning stances, I think they called it a jab. But as he was, he threw it as you know the kind of the switch stance straight like shot, yeah, maybe, rather you know? than the jab. Exactly, yeah, that that's exactly what it was. But it was as he was uh, switching stances, beautiful. And then the coffinel come after. He's a guy you definitely have to learn how to say his name anyway because he's a a very good up and comer. He's uh, the only the second fighter in UFC history. ...to get two wins inside of 20 seconds... ...the other was Anthony Johnson... um, ...and he did it like eight years apart or something... Schmelzberger has got two in the space of six months, so that'll tell you how uh, how dangerous of a fighter he was. But, yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, Nick Maximov then got a good win over Cody Brundage. You know, it was kind of a tough back-and-forth fight. It was a closer fight maybe than people would reckon. Uh, round two was dominant for Maximov, but rounds one, one and three. He didn't land a whole lot. Brundage was landing when he could, having some success. Close fighting and looked like that for periods, especially that third round. Um... After that, then, uh, Jalen Turner. I thought he just broke Medich. He looked very, very good in there. uh, Hurt to the head. Uh, The commentators thought it was the body, but it was definitely the head first, but he did go to the body after that. And look, Medich, I think he was so hurt that he... It it was one of those situations, just sometimes when guys get knocked down and they're like a jujitsu black belt and then they get fucking submitted straight away. To me, it was like one... And I'm not saying Medich is a black belt or anything here like this, but it was one of those situations where he was just so hurt there was no defending. And I thought the second he got that choke on, I was like, well, he's this is done. Because he wasn't even defending strikes or anything properly. He was just so hurt by, uh, by, uh, by uh, Turner. And Turner broke him. And he's another guy people need to be looking at because he's a very, very good fighter. And I was very impressed with him. Um... Talia Santos in against Roxanne Mataferi a good win for her as well um, she uh, she looked good Roxy almost got the iron bar early but uh, Santos for most of the rest of the fight won the stand up but also the wrestling she uh, she looked good and on top there uh, hurt Roxy badly at one stage but uh, she uh, she continued I, uh, this could be the last we see of Roxy and she, look she's had a very good career uh, but uh, you a know, good win for Talia Santos and was on I think she's 18-1 or something like that now mentioned the docus uh, Abdurahimov fight uh, and then two fantastic fights. Dan Hooker against Nazrat. Hackbrass. You know, both guys had visa issues coming in. Hackbrass' mother died only a couple of weeks ago. So a tough one. It was... Uh, I thought Hackbrass won the first round. Hooker was going forward, but Hackbrass was landing the better st- stuff off the back foot even though, you know, if you look at the numbers Hooker was I th- Hooker was mo- had miles more shots but didn't land anything of note, but in the second and third that he land- landed a lot and I thought he won the third at 10-8. As my friend Adelaide Bird also gave it a 10-8, which was fantastic to see. Uh but uh, Hooker won that one uh uh, even enough there and uh, what, what, first of all what, what did you think of that one it was for, for a fight that kind of came together on like two days notice even though it was like probably a few months notice because of everything that happened it was a pretty good fight wasn't it and, and Hooker Hooker looked good here and, and so did Hackbrass
1: yeah I, I, I think Hooker was always a control um, his wrestling looked kind of better than it's ever looked and um, he 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 was just more well rounded I think Um uh, I don't know, I think, uh, I don't I don't agree with the first round, Ian, the first round, I think Hooker, Hooker mixed it up well and, and you know, uh, did the better work, it wasn't, wasn't a blowout either way, but uh, I gave every round to, to Hooker. Yeah, it
0: was a close first, but yeah, I just thought he landed a little bit cleaner, but yeah, it was, it was definitely close, but yeah, it's good, look, it's good to see Hooker keep on winning, because he's an exciting fighter and you need exciting fights, he called out Benil Dariush. I wouldn't mind seeing it, uh, especially I think it's a winnable fight for Dariush. and I think he deserves, you know, to uh, to get towards a title shot. And if he wins that, I think he deserves one. So I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. But did uh, we Marab Dash Philly against Marlon Marrage? And did I call this fight exactly like it happened, or did I not, Graham? Like. I said Marais to come out and he might knock him out early, he did. And then I said, if he didn't, Dash Philly would take over and end up finishing him. And that's exactly what I did. My 3-1 to one bet on the Severe May betting show it was a pretty good bet, pretty good call, but yeah, what, uh, what a fun Very fight. good
1: call in the end, yeah. It looked like Marais was, was about to take him out and he kind of emptied his tank trying to do it and it, it looked like he just needed one big shot to, to finish the job, but he, he landed a couple of, the, I think one was like an uppercut that looked like it would be a finisher, but Mirab was just, just, you know, Clinging on and staying tough and just not giving up and just trying to stay away with, by any means necessary and and once he got the takedown uh, every, or once he got on top everything everything changed and obviously rice had kind of emptied the tank and uh, j- uh just really just opened up with, with great ground and pound really uh you know a couple of times oh, I wasn't sure if rice was was kind of about to be finished um, it was hard to see he kind of. His head was kind of pinned against the canvas, and he was eating shots, which is always, uh, always not a good sign. No, but uh, you know, he 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 did his best to hang in there, like. But he just, in in the end, it was just the the ground pain was too much.
0: Yeah, there was a one edge at the start of the uh, the second round where he kind of got knocked down, and I was like, oh shit, his his head kind of went to the side, and I don't think the referee was on the right side to see it. Not criticizing the referee, anything, but it was. Uh, yeah, it was one of those ones where if the referee had seen it, I think it probably would have been stopped, and then it was just a prolonged beating after that. But that, that first if the ref round, had
1: stopped it in the first round, you there probably wouldn't have been yeah, too many complaints either.
0: It was like two 10-8 rounds in one round <laughs> in that first round. It was weird. And it, that's a tough round to score well, as well. well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, which round do you think was, was more exciting? That round or the third round of the main event?
0: I, I just think the third round of the main event... Uh, I, I, yeah because it was it, Jeopardy you know the, the, the title on the, the line and, yeah, yeah, yeah it was just but it did, what a fucking round this was it was great two rounds of the year contender on, on this one absolutely and uh, was it I, oh, let me just look through here what fight was it I think it was the darkest fight where Abdirahima got knocked down badly and then he made him take loads more shots uh, it was um, Mark Smith and as the referee uh, just a, a completely late stoppage it was so fucking bad this Mark Smith right Oh my God, I, I really don't like him as a referee at all. And I, I have great time for officials. I always talk well about officials and I give them respect. This guy, he tried, you know, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and he's trying to be this celebrity referee and all of this. This guy needs to start going to the fucking local shows, reffing fights and sa- saving the fucking fighters rather than, you know, getting himself an Instagram and stuff. I, this guy is going to get someone hurt. I, I he's he's made so many mistakes. You know, I I really I really really don't like Mark Smith in the way he's ref fights recently. It's it's very, you know, dangerous. It's very dangerous. But yeah, look, an, another good night as well for judging. And um, you know, Brian Miner was on this show as well. We've mentioned him a few times on this when we're talking about judging. And it's good to see him out in Vegas as well. He's done a lot of the Bellator shows and things like that. So very good. Um. Right, let's uh, let's move on as well. Next week's UFC is uh, is a card, you know. It's definitely a UFC card. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker in the main event. Uh, and that's an exciting main event. It, fight, like yeah. it's a good
1: good fight, but yeah, it's not uh, coming off. You know, obviously a pay per view and and UFC uh, two sixty six. It's obviously a big step down, but uh, Ireland's on Johnny know, Walker yeah yeah exactly um but yeah the main events should be fun and the co-main event um and the jotko circular fight are all kind of hard fights to call so yeah there's a there's a good few you know fights that are hard call on the fight but there's there's not much uh name value or stakes
0: it'll be interesting as well to see kevin holland coming back and look kyle Dawkins, we saw saw how good his brother was last night It'd be interesting to see if he's made similar, uh, you know, uptakes in his game. But yeah, look, uh, Jared Garden versus Joe Selecki as well. That's another, that'll probably be a good scrap. Like you know, it be one of them bitch kahers on the card. We all love a bit of bitch. Uh, Nico Price and Alex Oliveira. That has war written all over it. Casey O'Neill against Antonina Shishinka. Now that's a very very good fight. And you know, if Casey O'Neill wins that, goes to eight. No, she's not going to be far away from a title shot, especially after beating the champion sister. You know, um, and I look. I'm not saying Russia or anything like that, but in that division, we're not. Many people in it. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a tough one. So uh, look, we're, we're going to obviously talk about that card more during the week and everything as well. But you know, up up and down, it's not not a bad card. Not not a bad card at all. Uh, but maybe doesn't have like uh, you know, and you wouldn't expect it to have the send out of a pay per view. But I think for Johnny Walker in that main event, that's a big fight for his career because if you beat Tiago Santos, and I know Tiago Santos hasn't looked great recently. Um, that means a lot, you know, and that puts you into title contention. I'm not saying now he's going to get a title shot or anything like that, but you're going to get a bigger fight, and you're going to get someone who, if you win it, will probably people will probably be talking about you as a title challenger. So huge fight for him, and huge fight for Santos to kind of get back to winning ways as well. And as you mentioned, Aspen Lad, uh, if she wins that, she's right into title contention as well. She probably should have had, nearly had a title shot by now. Um, you know, so some uh, there is jeopardy on this card, and there is stakes maybe not as a direct um you know, title stakes but you know the one, the step before the step. If you know what I mean, is going to be decided in a few fights here. So uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing that. Misha Serkinov down 185 pounds as well. I know it's here, so that's uh that's an interesting one. Uh, next week as well, there's a big big Bellator card uh, going down over in the London. The rematch MVP versus Douglas Lima, Leah McCourt in the co-main event as well. And we've talked about that Leah fight for me. Let's maybe mention that before, for she's fighting Jessica Barga uh, in that one. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were kind of maybe giving out Leah McCourt is ranked number like four or five or six or something like that in, in that division in their rankings. And they're like, she's fighting someone who's three and three. But Leah's still very young in her career.
1: yeah and About six fights into their pro career. Like, it's yeah. it, I know she's ranked highly, but like the rankings, they mean absolutely nothing. Really. Yeah,
0: very little. And I think you're better off. And I think this is good matchmaking. You know, get Le- uh, Leah fight against someone you know who has she, she won two of her last three. You know, uh, uh, won a fight on Titan FC, won a fight in Bellator. You know, her her record maybe isn't as, as good as as you know would suggest, but she has some good wins uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And I think this is good matchmaking, and we can uh, we can see what's next for Leah. Like her last fight was a tough fight; she almost lost it, but then she showed great heart and great to come back and win. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, when someone shows that and proves that. That, that's a big thing in MMA. Make no shadow of a, or make no um, mistake about that. And if you can put your technical improvements with that kind of um, th- the confidence you get from that. I think that that could be a big thing. So you know, not the deepest division in the world. Liam McCord. I would love to get see her get four, five, six more fights here over the next year, eighteen months, and improve and improve and improve and improve. Because you know you're not too far away from from the likes of Chris Cyborg, and you don't you know you don't want that six fights into your career. Maybe if you're ten, 10, 12 fights into your career, and you you know you've won uh, all but one or two of them, then yes. But I think Leah has. Uh, uh, a long way to go as anyone would at that stage of her career to get to that level. And I think Jessica Barga is, is a good next step for that. So I'm looking forward to uh to seeing that. Before we we get to the the Main event as well, Robert Whiteford against and- Andrew Fisher. I know Jake thinks that's a, a great fight, our uh, our old English expert there. Uh, Eve Landu against Tim Wilde as well. A lot of good English fights, uh, on this. Uh, Bahati against Trainer, Euros Juristic 11 and 1 against Lou Long, the veteran, you know, from uh, British, you years. Mean not, not English, yeah, British, that indeed, yeah. <laughs> well. We won't get into that one. Ken Moose on the card as well. There's there's loads of good fights in this Charlie Leary uh, back after his win over um over Kiefer Crosby. Uh, so yeah, there's there's lots of uh, Mike Eckendeu as well, big Mike as as um as Jay calls him, watch out for him. He's a very good fighter, and he's fighting a lad who's seven and oh as well. And Jack Grant against Nathan Jones, former Cage Warriors uh, welterweight challenger, lost to Gary obviously in his last fight, is on this card as well. So, but in the main events, Michael Millipage against Douglas Lima. Like, it's great to see MVP again, and I know he's only fought one human being in the world who is actually going to challenge him. And it's funny enough, he's fighting the same one <laughs> again uh, in Douglas Lima. Um, Douglas hasn't looked as good maybe in his last couple of fights, but he will yeah, be taking the shots
1: again. Ten rounds of of you know convincingly kind of you know losing uh, in a row uh, that can that can get to you. And MVP's a, a dangerous fighter. I think you know uh, it wasn't a fluke knockout, but I think it was um, you know. If they fought that fight fifty times, that is unlikely that that to happen again. What happened the first time? Mm-hmm. So, uh, if Michael Venom Page can can fight without can fight the way he usually fights with that freedom and that flowiness and the creativity, and it's not in his head that he got knocked out here before, then obviously it's going to be in his head a little bit. But if it doesn't let it affect his his performance and he doesn't he doesn't um, you know not throw his shots because of that, then I think MVP is going to win this.
0: Intre- I would probably just go with Lima, but I think it's going to be a fun fight. And you know, for the state of that division, I'd probably be better off if MVP did win it. But you know, it's it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting fight. And I th- look, I think your points are right, and 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 may- you know, may- maybe now thinking about a more Lima will be less likely to land that big shot now because of what has happened in the in the last two fights. But um, look, I'm looking forward to seeing it happen anytime MVP fights someone I know. Uh, well, most of the time, anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to wow, <laughs> <laughs> so, this. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this and, and see that, how it goes. Um, we spoke about Irish MMA there a second ago. Um, big fight on Saturday. Mohamed Makaev against Blaine O'Driscoll. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, Graham, or not, but it was... Yeah, yeah. A uh, good fight. You know, Blaine O'Driscoll was doing pretty well. Makaev was... It looked like the- it looked like the tide had turned. It looked like Makaev uh, was getting
1: tired and, uh, you know, obviously he ended up getting that takedown and getting getting the choke. But uh, I think maybe if, if Blaine had been able to stuff that, uh, it would have been a different story. And if he had just kind of kept to his boxing a bit more maybe uh, not thrown knees and, and kicks as much and kind of give those um, windows of opportunity to his opponent but you know it was a very good fight and it, uh, it looked like it had, obviously it's, uh, you kind of have to overcome that, that initial um, onslaught and I think Blaine did that and then you know I think he'd be disappointed with it kind of how the fight ended.
0: Yeah I think as well like you could hear the corner going throw that left hook and as he threw the left hook it's one of those or left hook to the body and that's one of those shots against a taller, bigger guy like that. You have to kind of step into to throw it. And Makayev obviously heard it, you know, was able to get inside and get a hold of it. It was like, ah, oh, shit. You know, it was like, it, it looked really bad. But it was... Yeah, it, Blaine is such a good fighter. He just co- keeps coming up against very good fighters, uh, you know, Sharley Torres now and uh, and Makayev, and that's what happens when you sign in places like Brave, you know. Um, if he was in the cage where a twenty 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 five pound division, I think he'd probably be a champion and probably be on his way to the UFC. Um, but. You know, it's it's a tough one. makaev is a very very good fighter, and he's you know dangerous. And he ended up getting the finish in the end. But yeah, it was it was a good fight. I thought makaev just won the first round. I thought there was a little bit more snap in his shots, but Blaine landed plenty of shots. He was stuffing the takedowns well for for most of the time. And when he did get taken down, he was surviving and he wasn't being overwhelmed. You know, he was staying very um, he was staying very steady in there. And, you know, Blaine is someone who's probably trained with James Galler for a, a lot. Over the years, and James is a good preparation for someone like uh, Makayev because his top game is so heavy and he's so good on the ground. Now, different style to Makayev, don't get me wrong, but that kind of that. That blistering, like, you know, stuck to you like shit to a blanket. James Gallagher is very good at it as well. So he's probably had very good preparations for a fight like this. Uh, but, yeah, in the end, he, he ended up getting caught. And Makaev moves on. You know, obviously, we're an Irish MMA podcast. So we're concentrating a little bit on the Irish guy. But uh, make no mistake about it, Makaev, one of the best prospects on planet Earth. And he moves on, what's he, probably, like, 8 or 10-0 now or something like that. Very, very, very good prospect. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing his next five or six fights and maybe him getting to the UFC then because... He's going to be a problem for a lot of guys, especially if his hands keep improving. If he can put the hands with the wrestling, and now he has the submissions as well. This guy could be a, a, a very, very tough guy to beat in, in a few years' time. So I'm looking forward uh, to seeing where he goes next. Um, and yeah, so as well, the, the, so the UFC Hall of Fame was this year. Um, uh, Hall of Fames, I feel like are a thing we don't really understand here. But GSP went into it, and I think we can all understand that, and he deserves it. And we we will talk obviously more about GSP, but uh, the the biggest story maybe to come from that was John Jones again was arrested. I, I like it's weird because American uh, Americans the, the legal system or whatever they always have like this. Battery and like domestic whatever, and I I don't know what that means to be honest. And I think we might be better off holding off on this and waiting to see what the actual details. I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, leaving that to aside, and we will talk about that again in the future. Jo- how can John Jones keep getting in trouble over and over and over again? And no, you know, we, we, there's a few other guys like that as well. You know, I'm one of them not too far away, away from us, I suppose. But uh, John Jones just he he. he he just can't help himself, can he? He's just one of those guys, isn't
1: he? Yeah, it's, it's as you said. It's easy to assume the worst when it's when it's John Jones and he's had previous. But maybe it is better to wait and wait and hear what happens but it's just another another incident either way and you know uh it's it's come to the point really where at the start it was big news and it was big talk and Dan White would have to go on sports center and talk about it and blah 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 blah, blah. now it's just like oh another another one <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean the fabric
0: one, one of, another thing happened during the pandemic and everyone just kind of forgot it. remember he got arrested there as well i, I didn't even remember it. and i was like oh yeah he did but
1: yeah. Was that when he tried to do the, the the sobriety test and he couldn't do it, was
0: it? Maybe. Or, no, I don't think so. I think, I think that was he another was one. A, was,
1: <laughs> he, was, he was in a parked car or something, so they couldn't prove he was driving or something. And he, Maybe yeah. he wasn't driving, you know, but he, yeah. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. Oh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny. Anyway, um... Yeah, I think think that's it. We probably have uh, failed to, to cover something there, but we uh, look. We have Patreon for that reason anyway. So if we have covered anything, if the Q and A, and choose a, a hit us up. Uh, follow me at Sean BF, Follow at Graham or sorry Graham at Severe May at Severe May Pod as well. The podcast Twitter, you know, we have a good few followers on that. But I feel like more people follow along with that as well. You'll get all the uh, the Patreon podcasts in there as well. And sign up Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast. I tell you, Patreon has changed in the last two weeks. And it's become a different level. Graham, you have some fantastic interviews coming up over the next while. I don't know. Do you want to do want to throw one out there for for anyone that's coming up? Do you want to do wanna tell people one that's coming up in the next couple of weeks? Go on, give us a name.
1: Well, I'm just, I'm just gonna obviously do a little. A severe May's about to turn ten years old, so. Hmm. I thought it would be a good time to kind of talk with some of the some of the guys that we've worked with over the years and whose careers we've kind of followed uh, and, uh, you know, kind of get a bit of a, a podcast series going there. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I have a few in the bag or, or in the can already, and there's still a few more I'm waiting to do. So, uh, yeah, I think it's turning out pretty well.
0: Yeah, it is. I've listened to a few of them. There's some very, very good stuff. And there's a new podcast coming up with me and Harry on, on uh, uh, Wednesday as well. Uh, we have a chasing pack episode already in the books that has been recorded that will be going up this week the q a as i mentioned on thursday there's so much stuff now is the time patreon.com forward severe podcast if you go to severe med.com forward literally cost the price of a pint a month it'll be really really helping us out we have to wait a half an hour before this podcast because my fucking laptop wasn't working so i need a new laptop so if you want to help us out <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: sign up there, <laughs> Patreon. <Online Clubhouse>. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we need to do. Uh, right, we will leave it there. Thank you to everybody for listening. We really appreciate the support and the listens. If you could share this podcast, even if you don't want to sign up for Patreon, that'd be fantastic. Tag at Chanchi NBA. Tag at Severe and May. We will retweet it, and uh, we will be your friends forever and love you very, very much. Subscribe as well, iTunes. Leave a review and all of that. Uh, we don't ask for yeah. it too And if you often, and
1: so. if you do, if you do sign up for Patreon, you, you get the you know your question answered guaranteed every yeah. week on the every week the Patreon. You get to request topics. Uh, there's there's loads of interaction on our Patreon. So if you want to get more involved, that'd be that'd be great and would help us. And mm-hmm. we think the content's worth is it, worth uh, you know, without a shadow less doubt. than the price of a point. So without
0: a shadow of a doubt, and I would I wouldn't ask someone for a fiver if I wasn't giving them a fiver or I can assure you that. So, uh, right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next time. Good. Actually, Graham, before we go, do, do you have a, an inspiration quote of the week? I don't have one. Throw one out at us there. Go on.
1: Oh, God. Uh, win or learn.
0: We'll <laughs> see you next Tuesday. <laughs> That's something different.